Good morning and welcome everyone. Uh, my name is Winston. And my name is Celine. And we'd like to welcome you to Fraser Lines Church today. For all the guests and newcomers, uh, we invite you to scan uh, and fill in the digital connect form located in the foyer or on the website. Let's take a moment to stand, um, greeting one another and pass God's peace to one another as well. Let's move into a time of worship through announcements. 2021 donation receipts have been already sent out by email on February 9th. If you did not receive it in your inbox, please check your spam or junk folder uh, or contact Jacqueline. Uh, and her email should be listed. Uh, or it's Jacqueline at FraserLands.ca. If you do not have an email address, uh, they will mail it to you early next week. Baby dedication is next Sunday, February 20th. The deadline to sign up is today, February 13th. And now I'd like to invite up Pastor Josh to make an announcement. Okay, me again. Uh, two things I want to share with you. First of all, uh, we have a membership class coming up on March 6th. That's a Sunday. It'll be online, um, I think most likely, uh, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., so it says online right there, so that's where we're going to do it. Uh, I get to lead the class this year, so if you want to hang out with me for two hours on a Sunday afternoon, uh, please come. Who's supposed to come to this? Um, if you're signed up for baptism, meaning you're designing to get baptized at Easter this year, then you need to come to the membership class. And so if you've been going to our baptism courses in the morning and you'd like to apply and actually get baptized, you'll need to take this class. Some of you are new to our church, and you don't really know what membership means or what it looks like or what benefits you would get from it. It's not like Costco, but it's, uh, but it's important to understand. And so we would invite you to come to the class if you'd like to make Fraser Lands your spiritual home. Um, if you're a member somewhere else, meaning you've been baptized somewhere else, we would help you understand how to transfer your membership uh, and what that means as well as what it entails, both the responsibilities on our end as a church for you and also what we would ask you to be if you became a member. Again, if you take this class with us, you don't have to have decided to become a member before you come. You can just come learn about what it means and then make a decision afterwards. And so please sign up um, by emailing vivian at phraselands.ca uh, or come talk to one of us pastors and we can explain more about this process. I want to invite up Pastor Abe. Hello, Hello everyone, uh, both here as well as uh, online. You know, God has been answering so many prayers, you know, not just in your own personal lives, but I, I've seen God answer prayer after prayer after prayer over the last weeks and months uh, in abundance. And one of the prayers I want to uh, just mentioned today is that uh, we are going to be going into a youth pastor candidacy. Uh, so if we can have that slide up, that would be great. Uh, so God has answered our prayer in regards to uh, an applicant who's a very suitable applicant for this role. And so the process for candidacy will be such that or our elders has already met and interviewed uh, Reverend Nathan's son. Uh, we did that last week, and this coming Tuesday, he'll be coming to meet our staff here at church. And then after that, this coming Friday, he'll be meeting our teens at the youth fellowships as they come together as one uh, large group. Uh, and uh, they'll be doing that at 8 o'clock uh, this coming Friday. I encourage those who are teens 
who are part of the youth fellowships to make sure you come to that because then you can meet Pastor Nathan and also get to know him a bit more. And then on the 27th of February, two Sundays from now, we have a bunch of things going on. Pastor Nathan will be preaching via translation, a pre-recorded message to the Cantonese and Mandarin congregations, but also be coming here in person to preach in our English service at 11 o'clock, Sunday, February 27th. So I truly encourage you to come to that and to invite others to come as well uh, to hear Pastor Nathan minister to us in the Word of God. And then in the afternoon, shortly after 1 o'clock, we'll be having a Zoom meeting with Pastor Nathan and his wife, Christy, um, and just to get to know them better, ask some questions, and to uh, continue to allow this process of candidacy to take place. My prayer that is that you will, in the next few weeks, keep this whole thing in prayer. Um, you know, God has given us a great candidate, but we want to discern as a church whether it's a good fit for us, as well as for Pastor Nathan and his wife, Christy, to find out if that is God's call for them as well. So would you join us in prayer over the next few weeks regarding this candidacy? Thank you so much. We will be praying for the offering shortly. Um, but uh, if you are a guest with us, you are welcome to give. But please do not feel obligated to do so. We are so glad you are here with us today. Let's move into a time of prayer. Um, Abba Father, we just want to thank you for another morning and day where we have breath in our lungs and a space to gather and worship. We thank you for being who you say you are. Um, you are a loving Father, a provider, and our Lord. So we just choose to thank you and be grateful in this moment, regardless of our circumstances or what we are going through. Lord, we know you meet us where we are and you welcome us as we are. Um, Father, we want to come before you and ask you to search our hearts right now. Reveal to us what you want to bring into the light and help us to confess our sins and shortcomings. Father, we choose to repent of how we grieved you. Please take some time in confession. And anyone who sins has an advocate with God, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we are forgiven and restored. And we praise God for his grace and mercy. Um, Lord, we continue to ask for your peace to reign, um, for your lordship and love to reign in our lives, our province, our country, and in the world, especially during these times of unrest, the division in opinions and beliefs, the animosity between different people, the impacts of COVID and other illnesses. Oh, Father, we just need your mercy and your grace. Oh, how we need you. So we ask for hope, for peace, for patience, and for your love to help us just be more united and compassionate towards each other. Um, we now want to lift up the offering to you, whether our offering is through money, time, or acts of service. May we be joyful givers and trust that you will use our offering for your purposes and to further your kingdom. Yeah, thank you, God. We love you, and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our call to worship uh, today, I'll be read from Romans chapter 11, 33 to 36. As we read through this passage, let us take some time to prepare our hearts to enter his presence through song. Please stand with us as we read. Oh, the depths of the richness, riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? 
For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Good morning, Fraserlands Church. Let's just pray to begin this time of worship together. Lord God, we come before you today in awe of who you are. Would our songs of praise be pleasing to your ear, and may you be glorified through our offering of worship. We love you, and we pray all of these things in your most precious name. Amen. Jesus is calling. 
sing this next hymn together. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace, twas grace that taught my heart.
Your glory is so beautiful. 
Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew 9, 1 to 13. Uh, Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man, lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I come to the call the righteous, but not sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. Good morning. My name is Ben. I am one of the pastors here at Fraserlands. Let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for all that you've done already this morning. I feel very moved by um, the people who've already stood on the stage and shared their words and music and song. We ask that you will share with us this morning. Give us ears to hear your message. Amen. We are in a series on the life of Jesus right now. We're looking at three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthews 8, 9, and a bit of 10. And we're five weeks in, I think. Josh, is that right? Five weeks, thank you. Um, and in these chapters, Matthew has put together stories about Jesus and what he did. And we get a picture, it's kind of a survey of the things that Jesus did in his life. And as Josh very helpfully said last week, uh, we believe that the Jesus in the scriptures, the Jesus that's in Matthew's gospel is the same Jesus that's in our lives today. And so we come to these gospel stories with anticipation that we will meet Jesus, not just learn about him, but that we will meet him. So far, we've seen that Jesus brings us freedom from our enemies, I don't know if you know this, most of the enemies begin with the letter S. There is freedom from sickness, Satan, self, and spirits. Jesus has healed sickness. He defeats Satan. Uh, he frees us from ourselves. That's the call to discipleship. Jesus says, come, follow me. And last week, Jesus, uh, Jesus Pastor Josh, sorry about that spoke about uh, spirits um, and the deliverance of spirits. And Pastor Josh encouraged us to 
realize that spirits are a real dimension of our lives and we need to take it seriously and the freedom from oppression that Jesus gives is real too. And that is wonderful news. Well, today we move on to a different S. The next S in our list of freedom is sin. This morning's passage and message is about salvation from sin. Jesus is in the business of freeing people from the power and guilt of sin. And we will learn about both forgiveness and restoration as the two things that Jesus wants to do for us. So I want to begin today with a personal story about a time in my life that was very hard. Um, I don't have time to share the full story, but about seven, eight years ago, I had a very dark, difficult time. I went to a seminary in Australia, and it was a really bad time in my life. And about three years afterwards, uh, I was going through a journey of trying to understand what had happened to me. And I got connected with a Christian counselor. So I went to this uh, woman. Her name is Abby Napora. She is an amazing Christian counselor with wisdom, uh, insight, and a bit of courage that goes with it. And I started sharing with her my confusion, depression, uh, sadness, uh, anger, all this stuff. And in about 10 minutes, uh, Abby sized me up and she looked at me and said, you're angry at your father. And I said to her, no, I'm not. And she said, that's BS. But she didn't say BS. She swore <laughs> to me. Yeah, she was a woman of wisdom. Uh, when... We have people that we love that have wronged us. Our natural reaction is to protect them. And we do that by lying to ourselves. And I was lying to myself. And Abby saw what was going on and what was really happening to me. And her bluntness and honesty was the beginning of my journey towards honesty for myself. Yes, I was. There were things in my past that I hadn't thought about and hadn't dealt with. And honesty was just the beginning. So she said, what we've got to do is you've got to go away and write a list of all the things that you're angry at your dad about. Everything he ever did that is a sin or whatever, that you go write a list. So I remember I was in Nelson, B.C. That's where a counseling thing is. It was winter, cold. It was Canada, snow. I was in this cafe writing this list of things about things my father had done that I was angry about and whatever. So the next time I saw her, I went to Abby and I said, so here's this list. And she had me read it out. I read out this list and she looked at me and she said, we're now going to go through the process of forgiving your father. And I looked at her and I said, I'm not ready. Like this was totally new thing for me. And she said, Ben, you've got a choice right now. You've got a choice. You've got this big old list right here, and you can hold on to that list. And you can say no to the ways of God and hold on to this list right here. Or you can make a choice. You can choose to forgive your father. Man, she's a wise woman. She showed me a lot of stuff. 
She showed me things about myself, about my family. She showed me things about God. She talked to me about the grace and forgiveness that God has for me. She showed me the importance of honesty with ourselves. But also, she showed me the depths of my own sin. She said, you got to bring into conversation things that you've done with this, this thing here. And she showed me that forgiveness is a choice that comes before. It comes before feeling okay. It comes before uh, restoration of the relationship. It comes before I feel that I'm ready. Forgiveness is a choice that we make moment by moment when we come across offenses that are done to us. And she also showed me there is a journey of restoration that happens afterwards. And that moment right there was the beginning of my restoration journey with my own father. It led me to have peace about things. Not that moment, right? That's some work that has to happen afterwards. Peace in myself. And it led me to go speak to my father. I went to him and I raised some of these issues. And that began a really wonderful journey between him and I. I'm so grateful for the courage and wisdom of Abby. So this makes sense. Forgiveness is a choice that begins and restoration is a journey that happens. It makes sense for us because this is the way God works with us too. There is this moment of power called forgiveness. When we confess our sins, we receive. And then there is this journey that happens afterwards. Today, we see the grace of Jesus Christ at work in the lives of two people. Uh, there's a paralyzed man, and he, Jesus forgives the sin of this man. And there's Matthew, the tax collector. And we see these two halves of salvation, the forgiveness, which is a powerful moment, and the life transformation that happens afterwards. Two stories, two halves to the salvation of sin. And that's my point for the day. So salvation looks like, uh, salvation from sin looks like forgiveness. Salvation of sin looks like restoration. And we're going to talk more about God's salvation to us. But I began this sermon with my personal story because we need to model the grace that we receive with people from us. And that's what I learned from Abby. Okay, so first point. Salvation from sin looks like forgiveness. Forgiveness. In the first story, Jesus heals. He heals a paralyzed man. A group of people come and bring a person to Jesus. And rather than heal him right away, Jesus begins with this kind of a surprise. He says, verse 2, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus makes this declaration. And this begins a confrontation with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious guys of the day, kind of uh, leaders that study the scriptures. And the center of the story is an argument. The Pharisees object to what Jesus says. They say, you're blaspheming by doing this forgiveness thing. And Jesus engages them in a debate. He kind of has a riddle for them. And the center of this story is Jesus' main point in verse 6. We've got verse 6 on the screen here. 
Jesus says this, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on the earth. And that's the key point of this passage. The debate and the healing are demonstrations. So Jesus has this riddle, right, which is harder to say, which is easier to say. And I think the answer is they're both difficult to say for normal people, and they're both easy to say for Jesus. Forgiveness and healing. It's an argument Jesus is having between the Pharisees about authority. Does Jesus have the authority to say this thing about forgiveness? I think we've got to spend some time thinking about this because the issue of authority and forgiveness is not something at least I normally think about. So why does Jesus need to have authority to forgive sins? Okay, so this is a day about um, sins and confession. So I'm going to make a confession right now. Um, I'm a person who gets library fines. That's going to be difficult for some of you, and some of you are going to have great compassion for me if you are also, I just go in the library and I say, I'll read that book, and that one's a great one too, and then all of a sudden I've got this email from the Vancouver Public Library saying, you've got four books, they're a week overdue, we've already fined you, you're too late to even renew, you know, ah, that happens to me. So if you're like me, you know, you can go to the librarian, and depending on their compassion level, you can say, you know, it's been kind of hard. I, I can pay, you know, $7, you know, 25 is a bit too much. You know, my wife just had a baby, and I couldn't, ret- you know, whatever. And it's depending on them. So here's the point. The librarian representing the library has the authority to forgive because I have caused an offense, and only the person with the correct authority to forgive. Now, I don't know if you got an email from the library. A few months ago, Vancouver Public Library sent an email to everyone on their list saying, we don't want fines to be a barrier to you coming. Just like sin is a barrier from us to God, there were people not going to the library because of their fines. And they wrote this email saying, anyone with any fine can get remission. You just got to ask. You got to come to us. And what is Jesus doing? Exactly the same thing. Jesus doesn't forgive this man for a sin. He forgives his sins. All of them. He forgives all the man's sins in an extravagant, amazing moment of grace. It's incredible. And the Pharisees call this blasphemy because they think Jesus doesn't have the authority to do such an amazing thing. And they've got a good argument to make because they've learned from the Old Testament. God gave to Israel the sacrificial system. That's all the stuff that uh, the Israelites and the Hebrews did as part of their religion, right? It's all this stuff. There's a temple and priests and there's rules and rituals and dates and sacrifices. And this whole system had some lessons, like object lessons that were taught by just going to temple. And one of the lessons was this. Sin and forgiveness are absolutely serious matters that we need to take seriously because sin separates us from God. Sin separates us. When a Jewish person goes to temple, the first thing they see is a barrier. 
You can't pass this curtain. You can't come in these doors. And it was communicating something. And another lesson is this. Forgiveness is a matter of life and death. Because atonement, the forgiveness of sins, comes with a price. Someone's got to pay the penalty. And in the Old Testament, there was animal sacrifices. Hebrews 9 says it this way. Hebrews 9 verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Forgiveness requires blood. That's life. And every year, a Jewish person would go to temple bringing an animal to be killed. And they would be reminded in a very serious way this lesson. Forgiveness requires atonement and blood. Now, there's, we know something about this from our experience. Many people find it difficult to forgive. You know, small things are fine. Because we feel like there's an injustice that needs to be paid for, owed something. That's why when Abby asked me to forgive my father, my immediate reaction was, I'm not ready yet. There's this payment that needs to be made. There's a fence that's just being realized in my life. And I feel like I'm owed something here. And this is a picture because with our sin, there is payment due to God as well. In the Old Testament, it was sacrifice. So right here in this passage, Jesus is saying to this man, you don't need to go to the temple anymore. That's what he's saying. You don't need sacrifice anymore. Your sins are forgiven. He's taken him out of the sacrificial system. It's amazing. And the Pharisees, of course, their feathers are ruffled by this. Jesus, no priest, no sacrifice, no temple. You can't do this. You don't have the authority to do this. That's why authority is the issue here. Authority for forgiveness. And Jesus looks at them and says, authority is what I have. It's exactly what I have. I am the one who can send the email to everyone <laughs> saying, all you got to do is ask and everything will be taken away. I'm the one who owns the bank that can write a blank check to pay for any price because I am the one who brings people to God. I am the one who removes sins permanently. He has authority not just to forgive man. Jesus had authority to close the temple of Israel. Jesus has authority to forgive all sins everywhere. And the authority of Jesus comes from his blood. The authority of Jesus is derived theologically from the cross. When Jesus died, he died as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. His blood was shed for the remission of our sins, the taking away, the forgiveness. Um, at the Last Supper, the night before Jesus died, Jesus said this. What did Jesus say? In Matthew's gospel, these are the words. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, you guys, you're worried. You're worried about sacrifice and the temple and you are looking right now at the great temple. You're looking at the great sacrifice. And Jesus has this authority. I'll put it this way. The forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers is audacious. Jesus offers extravagant forgiveness. 
Jesus did it for the paralyzed man, a blanket forgiveness, no questions asked, and he can do it for you. All the paralyzed man did was he came to Jesus. That's it. It's amazing. Clean slates, a wiping away of everything. The record is thrown out and burned. Here, Jesus is throwing out forgiveness with no cost. And the man had faith, and that's all. So is there, do you know this? Do you sense the extravagance of God's grace? The wonderfulness, the bigness, the wideness. Is there a part of your life that you feel ashamed about? Is there something you've done that makes you feel guilty? Is there something in your identity that you're deeply uncomfortable with? Have you experienced the extravagance of Jesus Christ's forgiveness? You know, there are a lot of people that feel like they are the exception. Jesus' forgiveness is so big for others. But for whatever reason, I am beyond the love of God. We sang today, thank you worship team. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Yes, this passage teaches us there is authority in the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has for you. And all the things that in your life feel like can separate you from God, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can be, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. This is fantastic news. This is fantastic. Okay, there's my first point. Salvation of sin means forgiveness. This extravagant, large, beautiful moment of power. But salvation means more, more than that, because it also means restoration, restoration for the sinner. The forgiveness is a powerful moment that God forgives. But he do, Jesus does, doesn't just forgive. He does more. Jesus redeems. He's like a sculptor. We had another verse about because we're called, we're holy. Jesus Christ works on us. If you're a forgiven person, you are also becoming changed. Paul says it this way, the love of Christ compels us. Once we enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, there's this force on our lives that transforms us. If, you go to, if you're a person that's gone to God, and you've asked forgiveness, and your life looks the same afterwards, there's a good chance the Holy Spirit wasn't there. It wasn't real repentance. That's not a real work of God. So in the second story here, we see Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector, and we see this life transformation of a person. And at the end of the passage, Jesus explains it with two metaphors, really interesting. He gives two metaphors to explain his mission of transformation. There's a medical metaphor and an existential metaphor. So verse 12, a medical metaphor. Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus practices spiritual medicine. He's the doctor of the soul. When a sick person comes to a doctor, they have symptoms. 
and you know, my back hurts or you know, I got a headache or whatever. And we go to the doctor and we want two things. We want diagnosis, we want understanding, and we want healing. When we go to Jesus Christ with our stuff, he gives us diagnosis and healing. So there's a medical image and a, I call it existential image. That is, Jesus gives people purpose, calling, direction. Verse 13, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Amazing. Jesus calls people. He summons them. This is the call to discipleship, to obedience, to give our lives to Jesus Christ. And who does Jesus call? Who does Jesus heal? He heals the sick. He calls the sinners. That is, people who are humble enough to come and ask from Jesus. Um, a few weeks ago, we had a terrible problem in our house. Um, in my kitchen sink, uh, under the kitchen sink, one of the valves had a little leak. And Kelsey and I were out, and when we came home, we found a puddle of water. Fairly large. The leak was pretty slow, but after an hour, that's enough. There was a big old puddle of water that had been there. And when we got there, we realized water damage. Yeah, water damage. So the nice wooden floorboards had absorbed water and the kind of misshapen. Water had gone through the next floor. So in the garage, which is under the ceiling, the drywall got wet. This is bad. So what do you got to do? You call restoration company. Only thing you can do, right? Sin is spiritual water damage. It warps. Goes, do you know this? Has sin in your life damaged your life? It's damaged my life. Me being selfish, others around me being selfish. Sin causes all kinds of warping, damage, molds. And Jesus Christ is the restoration company of our souls. He comes and he fixes. He sometimes tears things out and puts in what's right there. Jesus Christ is in the business of healing, of giving purpose. It's amazing. And the picture in this passage of the restoration that Jesus Christ does is Matthew, this, this man at the beginning. It's a picture of the kind of beautiful restoration Jesus Christ will do in a person's life. Matthew was a tax collector. Um, and uh, this city is Capernaum, which is where Jesus has been for his adult life. So probably Jesus knows Matthew, and tax collectors were hated. The main reason they're hated is because they're agents of Rome. Rome is the, you know, the imperial power, and most people in Israel wanted to rebel against them. But a small group of people saw economic opportunity, you know, I can go be a tax collector and put myself in the signs of the Romans. So Matthew would sit at a desk outside his town. As people walk in and out, they would look at him and they would say in their hearts, betrayer, betrayer. Um, the, 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 um, the tax collectors are below the worst. They're like the bottom the, the Jewish rabbis write lists of the worst people. They're, they're like right on the bottom. He was a publicly hated betrayer. 
People walk by and look at him. And one day, Jesus walks by, and he looks at Matthew, and he does not see a tax collector. He sees an evangelist. Jesus Christ did not see a betrayer. He saw somebody with a home to welcome. You see, Jesus Christ's call on Matthew absolutely turned Matthew's life upside down. There's There's at least three radical transformations that happens to Matthew, perhaps four, at least three. Jesus calls him and three things change immediately. Firstly, he stops sinning. At least he leaves behind his career that was the sin of his great sin. He was a betrayer and he left it. And we know he left it totally because if you turn over to chapter 10, verse 3, this Matthew, the tax collector, is one of the 12 apostles. He gave the rest of his life to following Jesus. He left sin behind, and he began a life of obedience, of living with Jesus, walking with him, listening to him. As soon as the next chapter, chapter 10, Matthew's going out and doing exorcisms, then we're going to read a little bit bit about that. And thirdly, um, even before chapter 10, he starts his business as an evangelist. The first thing he does, he opens his home and invites people to have a meal and says, I want you to come and meet the man who's called me. He left sin behind, he began a life of obedience, and he started his career as an evangelist. And fourthly, this is what I made before, he might be the person who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. We're not sure, but the other Gospels call him Levi. And this is the only Gospel that says this guy, he probably had two names, Probably the guy who wrote the gospel. Amazing. The call of Jesus, the summons to follow him, was the beginning of the work of restoration that Jesus Christ did for Matthew. And this is the picture of restoration that Jesus Christ wants to do in your life. Oh, you better believe it. So here they are. The two things that Jesus Christ wants to do for us. Forgiveness from sins and restoration of the person the sinner. Jesus has won the authority to forgive sins through his death. An extravagant grace, an amazing grace that comes to all of us as an invitation. And he restores the damage, the water damage done by sin. And he heals a doctor of hearts and souls. These are the two sides of salvation that Jesus Christ gives to our sins. So, what I want to do at the, just the last few minutes of our time, is quickly look at a little bit of application on this. How do we make this real in our lives? I'm telling you about Jesus, what he's doing. It's good to talk a little bit about claiming this forgiveness and claiming this restoration. And what does it look like to give this for others as well? Friends, forgiveness is a potent spiritual force. It's like electricity that turns light bulbs on. And I want to just make four quick applications to this that kind of come out of this passage. These are four parts of forgiveness. I'll put it that way. Um, Four parts of forgiveness. Firstly, we approach Jesus with faith. We approach Jesus with faith. We see this lovely picture of people carrying the paralyzed man to Jesus. And in the Gospels, the faith of people kind of prompts Jesus to act. It's really interesting. 
Jesus often heals or forgives or acts in response to the faith of people. I'll put it this way. Jesus loves faith. Jesus loves faith. He loves when we come to him with what's really going on. The picture of it is this paralyzed man being brought on a stretcher, just just being carried into the presence of Jesus with his one great beating need. Friends, there are some of us here who have unconfessed sin. And there are other needs we have as well. But this passage is about sin and forgiveness. And there's this thing that happens when God starts to put his finger on that area of sin, whatever it is, when a conversation kind of touches it or someone talks about that topic or I think about it, when God is poking, we put up a wall. Don't go there, you know? That's this part of my life over here. I can give you these things. We put up these barriers somehow. I think it's some kind of spiritual reality that happens to us. We start to feel shame about it or anger or whatever. We try to keep him out and remain in the sin that we have. Let me encourage you. Approach Jesus with faith. Go to him. Go to him with your stuff, your pain and your guilt and the real sin, and you will see the smiling hand of God. You will see the extravagant forgiveness. You may also hear a call to leave your tax booth, but you will receive the forgiveness unadulterated, free. Just notice that in this passage, friends carry the paralyzed man. And in verse 2, it doesn't say Jesus saw his faith. It says Jesus saw their faith. Really beautiful encouragement to us. We can bring other people into the presence of God. Really nice encouragement. So one, we approach with faith. Two, we claim the authority of Christ. When we go to God to receive forgiveness, sometimes we don't know exactly what to say, how to go about it. It's a very good thing to claim the authority of Jesus. Just to say something like, in the name and blood of Jesus Christ, I claim forgiveness. I receive forgiveness in the name of Jesus. There's nothing magic about the particular words, but there is spiritual authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Go look at the book of Acts and look at what the apostles are preaching. They talk about a universal forgiveness in the name of Jesus. For example... Acts 10, verse 43, we have it. This is the Apostle Peter. He says, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his names. There's about seven or eight times something like that in the Acts. Receiving forgiveness should be a regular practice for us as Christians. It should be a thing we do regularly. I have friends that do a daily examine. At nighttime, they sit down. One of the things they do is they think of the day to confess. And whenever we do, we go to God, it's good to declare it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when somebody comes to you to confess, it's good to declare by the blood of Jesus Christ, we claim his authority. Okay, we approach with faith, we claim the authority. Third, forgiveness is the engine of renewal. 
Forgiveness is a potent spiritual force. And I think many of us have not grappled with it really. Both men, the paralyzed men and Matthew, we could say in the story are renewed. The paralyzed man goes home. Forgiveness brings us home. Forgiveness brings Matthew to celebration. Sin wrecks havoc in all places in our lives, all kinds of problems it brings. And forgiveness is the key that opens the door to renewal and restoration, both individually and in my family and in our church and collectively. Very quickly, lots of ways this works. Forgiveness opens the door to friendship with God. You know, there's lots of people that are struggling to feel close to God. And often there's unconfessed sin beneath that feeling. And we, we try and do our disciplines, but there's this barrier in the way. Last week, Pastor Josh was talking about spirits, unclean spirits. And uh, what I've been learning here at Fraserland is unconfessed sin. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, Pastor Josh quoted, sin can give Satan a foothold, like an like a open door into our lives. Spiritual sin opens the door to spiritual evil for us. Forgiveness, confession of our sins, receiving forgiveness, is the power, spiritual power for our lives. Um, I can go on. It's also spiritual power for our families, both to confess our sins and to receive and to be shaped by the grace of God to offer and to give it. So many examples, I need to move on. You know, marriage, you're going to get one year into marriage and you're going to realize there's lots of offense going around both ways. And your marriage, if it's going to thrive, has to be based in forgiveness. Forgiveness is the engine of renewal, the power of my personal renewal Receiving what God offers is power. Okay, fourth and finally, a lot in this passage. I'll be merciful to you because this point's about merciful, mercy. Fourth and finally, being restored means we will be able to offer mercy. I'll put it this way. The sign that you are a forgiven person, you really have received forgiveness, is that you are able to offer forgiveness and mercy, kind of like Jesus. Right at the end of the passage, Jesus has this zinger for the Pharisees. I haven't touched much in the Pharisees. Jesus says, go and learn what the scripture means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Hosea 6.6. 6. The Pharisees knew all the rules. They knew the scripture, but they did not know the heart of God. They had no compassion. In these stories, Jesus has authority and compassion perfectly mixed. And the Pharisees like the authority bit, but they don't have compassion. Um, One commentator said it this way. uh, In their teaching, they talked about separating from sinners, which led them to a people despising prejudice a people despising prejudice. You know what their problem was? Forgiveness was an idea and not a reality. They were more concerned about being correct than being forgiven. 
They did not really know the heart of God, though they knew the scriptures. If you are a person who has received the grace of God, if you really have been extravagantly fulfilled, have forgiven, if your life's been turned upside down by what he's done for you, you will become a merciful person more and more and more. Forgiveness is the great equalizer. We are all sinful and we're all forgiven. All have gone astray. And there's no one in the church who is any better than anyone else. We're all saved by grace. And if that's true, Christians should be the most humble and merciful people in the world. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, the Lord says. So rather than being a culture of people despising prejudice, we should be like Jesus. Be merciful. The mercy of Jesus led him to identify with sinners. Amazing. In this passage, we find Jesus eating as his practice with the broken, the sinful, um, and he, he seeks to go with them with mercy and identify with them and bring with him as he goes the love of God. A lot more to say about this, but I'll just finish by saying that. If we can become a church that knows what Hosea 6.6 is talking about, (laughs) I desire mercy, then we will become attractive to the world. If we can become people of mercy, if we become people that really know what the transformation of forgiveness looks like in our lives, then we will host our meals and people will come and they will say, tell me, tell me, tell me about Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father God, we are so grateful for the forgiveness of sins that you give, and we are so grateful that it's much more than that, that you restore us. Your spirit is given to us, and you work on us, and you come to us, and I'm so grateful for the things you've done in my life and my friends' lives here. Lord, we ask that your spirit will make us people who receive forgiveness and give mercy. Amen. Church, would you rise and sing the song of response with us?
Benediction for this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us, that is, by his body, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience having our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. May the Lord bless you.